the face of my enemy. I see my brother. I see my brother. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother. I see my Hey, welcome to the Third Wave Podcast, where we explore the implications of a Jesus-centered theology. I'm your host, Christopher Whitmer, and on the Skype line from, I, I always want to say Loverland, Virginia, but uh, from Charlottesville, Virginia, it's Titus Kipper. Yes, God bless America. That's right. And also on the Skype line, here in Los Angeles, is my brother, Asher Whitmer. I have nothing to say. <laughs> and... All the way from Hickoryville, Tennessee, Reagan truck. Yeah, we, we discussed that definition last time. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. good to be on. Before we get rolling, can I make a bit of an announcement here? Yeah, go ahead, Titus. Uh, so I, I've actually changed my religion. For a long time, I thought that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. You know, the, the coming of the, the Jewish king of israel but recently yeah well here's the thing recently i've seen on my twitter feed who the true king of israel is who is the true second coming of god i'm look i'm not even looking for the second coming anymore it i was i i'm I'm, you know it was confusing whether we'd be raptured and all that but none of that matters anymore the second coming of god has arrived and it's none other than donald trump so i now am a trumpian he is the messiah and i'm just like to i I don't know if that's going to throw a wrench in the gears of of this podcast or not but i i just got to make that that announcement here you know i i always knew you know the pharisees got jesus wrong the first time like they misunderstood the prophecies and here i've done the same with the prophecies of the second coming There's been a lot of charismatic prophecies about Trump winning the election, actually. It's true. (laughs) It's the funny thing about that comment. (laughs) Oh, Titus, that sound clip is going to follow you the rest of your life. Yes, indeed it will. (laughs) Trump is the Messiah. I'm just going to run for president. I'm going to take that snippet and put it on Instagram. And when I run for president 40 years from now, they're going to go back and dig yeah. this up and <laughs> blackmail me with it. So Wait, you're running you're for running president? You're running for president? Yeah, okay. When I'm 70, yeah. If, if anyone's confused, no, we're no talking about... No longer anarchist. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone's confused, we're talking about some tweets that yeah. Trump put out. And he was retweeting someone who said that the Jews in Israel love him like he's the second coming of God, like he's the capital K, King of Israel. And I was thinking, you know, this is actually a rerun of history. Like, we've Mm -hmm. seen this in the book of Acts when Herod was giving a speech and they said, this is the voice of God, not a man, and he was eaten by worms. And, you know, Trump is essentially refusing to turn down worship that is reserved only for the divine and uh so far he hasn't been eaten by worms although i I was gonna write for the babylon b and and make up this article about them finding some like 10 inch long tapeworm in (laughs) would that be the great babylon b article (laughs) 
Oh man, oh, it's, it's gonna be. This is gonna be uh, two. We- this episode comes out two weeks from now. So in case you're wondering why we're talking about old news, it's very fresh for us and it's still very funny. <laughs> um, and there's probably gonna be another Trump tweet yeah, that comes out that dwarfs the last one yeah. in the next two weeks. So I'm sorry that we're we're not covering. We'll get to that in a month. Speaking of uh, two weeks out, um, just a little insider baseball, as Cameron String would say. Uh, we're we're recording. We both times we've recorded, we've done batches of three episodes at a time, and so we we record three episodes. And today we're recording another three episodes. Um, so I know last time we kind of left it in in a crazy where we had offended everybody probably, and people are writing in and emailing us and leaving reviews and. Um, or just completely ignoring us. Or just completely <laughs> ignoring us. I'm, I'm putting a positive spin on it. Um, and and if you're wondering why we won't address any of those emails in this episode, it's because we have not seen them yet. So it's not that we're ignoring them. We really do value your feedback, and um, we'll get to those ASAP, but it may be in episode 7 till we actually get to that. Anyways, I'm so... So sorry about that. It's the nature of um, working all of our schedules together and how best um, we can get these episodes recorded. You know, can I say something? Yeah, go ahead. Before we introduce, we have a fabulous guest on this episode, but it's true. we're going to keep him in the closet for now. Then... <laughs> he's, um, he's been very Later silent. on coming out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't even have the pun in mind when i said that i know this is terrible no like our first three episodes were almost like super serious and then our last episode like we broke out ourselves yeah. and our craziness and what's true of us is we are fairly sarcastic like we yeah. we we kind of roll with some of that and so just so people know like if they're kind of shocked or surprised we yeah. we take seriously. We do value honoring our leaders, um, yeah. and yeah. even when we we highly disagree with them, um, but we're just kind of having a little bit of bantering fun here. Yeah. So 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 people are f- kind of familiar, not super offended yeah. by our remarks towards Trump or yeah. Obama or whoever. Yeah, no, no, that's a good clarification, um, and. And we, yeah, we also don't want to make light of the seriousness of the topics that we're talking about as well. But um, sometimes we can't help ourselves. We live in 2019 and Trump Especially. is the president. Yes. Anyways, um, we have the scariest topic today that I've ever addressed in the in the last four episodes on the Third Way Podcast. <laughs> we're going to be talking about guns today and I'm really excited about the guests that we have and the the topic i think it's going to be interesting i think it's going to be um challenging to my thinking for sure um today we're talking about guns and what it looks like to have a jesus-centered theology when it comes to guns and obviously the bible doesn't say a whole lot about guns so kind of the questions that are in my mind um is you know should christians have any position at all about guns if you know if we're supposed to you know not get involved in the kingdom of this world or whatever, you know, what, you know, what, yeah, should, should we have any opinion at all? You know, if you know me at all, that's, you know, I'm not, I don't hesitate to have opinions about things. Um, But, you know, that just exploring some of this, some of this stuff um, is what we're going to be doing on this podcast. 
um, do we have a responsibility in finding solutions to gun violence here in America? Is that not our role? Um, and at what point do we step into politics to figure out some of these issues? Um, obviously, I'm quite confident this is going to be a pretty controversial episode for many people. Um, I'm sure a lot of our pro-gun control friends will be happy with our guests, probably, um, and and what he's advocating. And our conservative friends will be pretty disappointed, perhaps even a little angry. Um, I just want to acknowledge that um, right up front. I'm not... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not blind to that or unaware of that. Um, all I ask of, of myself, of my fellow podcast listener, podcast hosts, um, is that, and, and, and the listeners, is that we give it a listen. Um, none of us are necessarily endorsing what the others are saying. Even those of, those of us who have been on the podcast before disagree in some of our approaches to things. Um, so if we disagree with each other, We'll speak up, ask questions, and posit our concerns. Um, and um, yeah, I just I just suggest that we take what is going to be discussed on this podcast and we process it on our own. We talk to friends about it, research the stats in America, the stats around the world, read up on three or four or five different angles. I don't, you know, I try not. I'm, as if I'm a professional, but just personally, I try not to take just one or two angles. Um, but I like to see, um, three or four or five different angles about it. Um, don't just take what we're, what the left is saying or the right is saying, but, um, try to process it on your own. Anyways, um, with all of that said, if you are pro gun Christian and feel like you can provide an articulate response to anything that's said or processed here on the podcast, Today, feel free to reach out to us via email, thirdwaypodcast at gmail.com. And if you're willing to put yourself out there in a clear manner and are willing to disagree and be disagreed with, I'd be happy to bring you on this show. Um, anyways, without further ado, let's talk about guns. Our guest today, our honorable guest, is Benji Mast. He's an old friend of ours from Kansas. Um, Benji, I'll let you introduce yourself, but... Part of the reason I'm, I reached out to you is because I saw a, a, a series of tweets by you where you were just saying straight up repeal the Second Amendment. And that took me by surprise a little bit. And so I wanted to have you on and actually pick your brain a little bit. Um, so go ahead, introduce yourself and maybe introduce a little bit wh why you came to some of the positions you do, and then we can just jump into it from there. Sure, yeah, it's uh, it's good to be on here. And I listened to your first two podcasts and really enjoyed them, really appreciated them. Uh, and I just want to say before we jump in that I just think having voices that are willing to consider and empathize with different perspectives is really important today. Uh, you all are well aware that the politics in, in this country are becoming quite increasingly polarized and that's not without its consequences there's real consequences for everyday americans because of the vitriol uh, in politics and i think mm -hmm. I, I view this podcast as seeking a way to synthesize and bring people together and so i, I just mm -hmm. first of all i guess would like to say that i really appreciate what y'all are doing here um, and look forward to hearing more of your content mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, I'm from Kansas. It's a it's a really uh, conservative state. Obviously, uh, easily went to Trump in uh, 2016, um, and have I graduated from Sterling College in 2014 and was um, a debater there. And so we dealt with a lot of different policy issues. And one of the things I enjoyed about doing debate competitively is it helped me think critically about issues from different perspectives because I was forced to take different sides. Um, And so that might be something that you should know about me. Um, I also... uh, Feel free to interrupt me at any time, but um, if you have any questions... uh, but I also consider I, I identify as a moderate um, and perhaps a libertarian, but I'm all over the political map on different issues. Um, I think that the government, it's okay for the government to allow people to use marijuana recreationally. Uh, I don't think it threatens um, traditional marriage to have the government allow homosexuals to get married. Um, I think the government spends way too much on military. Um, I'm anti-war and really anti-interventionist in general um, for foreign policy. I think that our interventions into, particularly into the Middle East, have have harmed those countries that we've intervened in, and have certainly harmed uh, American men and women who've gone over to serve and come back and wrestled with those uh, those demons. If if they're intact physically, um, certainly aren't intact mentally all the time. Um, I'm pro-free trade, um, pro-life, pro-immigration, uh, although we clearly need some more security on the border uh, to, to slow uh, what has become really a humanitarian crisis uh, there in, on the border. Um, I voted Libertarian in 2016. Um, I'm registered as an independent, and... I'm actually considering registering as a Democrat so that I can vote in the primaries, um, but I'm not uh, not sure about that. Um, I <laughs> I can't put you in a box. I'm really frustrated yeah. <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I'm a little all over the map, and I don't I don't. So I say I'm a moderate, but the point is not really to be a moderate. The point is yeah. to, to like find what is true and what is good and what is beautiful mm-hmm. uh, in and how we can like integrate. Um, those values into our whole lives, and I think that I think that there is space to um, to influence politics in a, in a good way. Uh, I don't I don't really um, ascribe to a binary two kingdom concept. I think that's a little oversimplistic, and um, and I think that there's examples of people affecting politics in good ways, and I think that there's um, some space for that. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, that's interesting. I like I like that you said that because um, in our episode that's going to release, our, our third episode, so it hasn't released yet um, for us. And anyways, just do some time travel stuff if you're listening. Um, when this episode comes out, it will have been released. Um, but we, we talked about some of that, and I think um, I'd, I, I guess personally just to expose where I'm at. <clears throat> like, I, I'm not completely, like, I'm still kind of figuring it out. I've never voted. I've never registered as anything. Um, I think some of us on the podcast would advocate for not, or... Sure. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to misrepresent what the other guys said or, or, or believe, but, like, I think we would all maybe be hesitant 
to to get too involved in politics. Um, Titus thinks the whole thing should be torn down. <laughs> just kidding. I'm putting words <laughs> anarchy. in anarchy. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm majorly that was, that was, I'm majorly putting words. That was in my it. doing. I I pulled that in Somalia, but in the poor, U.S. Poor, <laughs> poor, poor Titus gets misrepresented constantly. Um, um, but but anyway, so so I appreciate um, that you said that and that um, you were open about that. And 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 I'm, I'm yeah, I'm curious to hear your argument for that, um, especially in regards to um, when it comes to guns and gun control. Um, I go ahead, Asher. I got a question for Benji, just because I like I kind of wonder it, and then I know our audience is going to be wondering it, and so just I thought maybe it'd be yeah a good question before jumping in here. But why, like, so I let me frame this as if people are following this journey with us and they're open. Let's say they're traditional. American Christianity, kind of their parents were gun ho Republican Christianity, maybe, and that's kind of their leaning. Or actually, if they if their parents were gun ho, they probably already went to the other side. But anyways, if someone's like from the perspective that Republican is closest to Christian faith, so I get okay, the Republicans aren't like they're they're not online with Christian faith exactly. So maybe I should back out of politics. Why would you even consider registering as a Democrat? Yeah, well, you get what I'm asking. Devote yeah, for yeah, Tulsi yeah. Gabbard. Like, like I'm curious, like what part? Yeah. What? As a devote for Tulsi Gabbard in the primaries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should really like Gabbard. Yeah, and and Andrew Yang, I think, has some good yeah. things to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think right. that the biggest, my my biggest, I'll just begin. Well, first, two things. So one thing is politics are relatively ineffectual and like real change happens life on life. And um, it's when Jesus enters people's lives um, and communities that we see like real lasting change. So like on the list of ways to affect change, I think politics is, is pretty far down, but I don't think it's totally ineffective. Um, and then I just think like I- I'm just ready to have some new leadership um, I think that Trump has done a great deal of damage. Um, and I just, I think probably more than anything, I'm just really ready for the American church, particularly yeah. evangelicals, <laughs> to be unhitched from the Republican Party yeah. because it's corrupted the church so much. Um, and it's also completely um, nerfed or like it's sort of taken away our political influence because it's it's so closely attached to the Republican Party, they don't even have to work to earn our vote. Um, And so I think that if we would stand up and say, you know what, we need to show compassion to immigrants, um, and that unless there's some change brought that we won't support you in 2020, that the church could actually be a positive influence instead of Hmm. like standing up on Trump with state on on stage and saying that he's the best president uh, in our history. And so part of that is just like a heart to see the church think independently about political issues and not be so tightly attached to Trump. So Benji, would you still ascribe to Christian nonviolence or, um, and, and simply not see a continuation between nonviolence and engaging politically? In other words, do you think we can engage politically and still hold to nonviolence or do you not hold to nonviolence? No, I think that um, not. I could never like take someone's life uh, or or harm someone physically. Um, but I don't. 
I don't see, like, I think there's a continuum of political involvement, and I don't see uh, voting as compromising that stance, the stance of nonviolence. Okay. Yeah, I, I just asked that question. I've got a, a friend from college who's, like, very sincere Christian and a diehard Bernie Sanders fan. And so I, I'm always <laughs> like, oh, interesting. <laughs> so I'm always curious to see what people, how... The second yeah, why, thing you said completely negated the first thing you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. You know, one one clarification just for the sake of our audience that I can hear happening in in my head, but more like I know that there's people who are going to be listening that are going to be asking this question. So, Benji, I'm going to ask you. <laughs> um, you you said that Trump has caused a lot of damage. And, and I would agree with you. Um, but what would you say to the people that's, that the Christians, the conservative Christians that would say, yeah, but Obama, maybe, maybe Obama started it or Obama did more damage, at least maybe morally or whatever to the, to the American church or whatever. Not saying that, that I agree with it or that even all of our listeners would agree with that. But I think that's one question that just is there having grown up. You know, I was 12 when Obama became president and so like i grew up kind of with this narrative that he was um doing bad things for our country and yeah what, mm-hmm. what would what would you answer to that yeah i would say two parts the, f- the first part is that like uh, who trump is as a person mm-hmm. um you know he's on his third marriage he's probably sexual assaulted a number of women mm-hmm. um he's cheated on his wife while mm-hmm. she was uh, bearing his children. Um, and, and then he insults people in a sort of juvenile, uh, way who disagree with him. And so, and none of those things can be said about Obama. And so I would, s- clearly that we're going to have policy differences with Obama and I have many. Um, but who Trump is as a person really bothers me. And then the second part to this is, is that, a lot of Christian leaders are lining up behind him, um, and it's not just Falwell. There's a lot of a lot of evangelicals who are lining up to support him, and I think, in a way that we didn't with Obama, and and probably insulated the church from some of the damage that Obama could have done uh, because we didn't align with him politically. Um, so that's how I I would say that the the damage that Trump is doing to the church is greater than Obama because of those two things. Mm-hmm. So we just we've just punted on our yeah. sort of moral yeah. authority yeah. when we've, we've gotten behind this yeah. this guy who has yeah. treated women like he has yeah. and so forth. The, so so yeah okay I, I think I kind of see where you come from like just the whole especially when it comes to the church and and aligning yeah. ourselves with and it, it's it's maybe a little bit like Ben Shapiro says where he he says that the the um, Trump has damaged the fabric of our society. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember how he how he defines that necessarily, but but then he would say, you know, the damage has already been done, and so the good things that Trump is doing would give him cause to vote for Trump this time, even though he was very against Trump last time. Yeah. Would, would you say that Trump can do any further damage? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, I think possible, and I do think that the the sort of racial tension <laughs> um, began in Obama. During yeah. Obama's presidency, and if you look at statistics of people's perception of race relations, um, that throughout the Bush presidency they were improving, but when Obama took office, so they began to decline. So I don't think wow. that we need to lay all of that at yeah. 
Trump's feet. Yeah. Sure. Um, so that began, you know, before that. Um, and I, you know, I like the judges that um, Trump has appointed, and I think that'll be a lasting positive legacy that, that Trump leaves behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. No, that, that, that's that's really good. I'm glad we went down that bunny trail. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, just to summarize what I what I think I'm hearing, you you would see the the damage that Trump has done, which is I guess what Christopher said, but primarily in how it has insulate or how did you say it um we punted well, we, our moral yeah 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 as a church mm-hmm. so trump has maybe been a good leader as a a system or accomplishing the american or republican agenda or mm-hmm. whatever like he's done he's mm-hmm. done some good things and they're setting up some justices and even even just some i mean just the, even just the men that he's put around him are, are decent leaders yeah but how the connection or how he's kind of blurred the lines between morality yeah. and immorality or right and wrong as a, as a Christian church, yeah. that's where you see the damage. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. old enough. You guys probably aren't old enough to remember. Uh, <laughs> I guess we're all born in the 90s, right? 95. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'm the youngest. <laughs> 90, 91. <laughs> Your babies. What? <laughs> But I'm old enough to remember, uh, you know, 1998 or six or whenever it was that that Clinton had an affair, and and the right was apoplectic yeah. that the president mm-hmm. would do yeah. something like yeah. that, and here we are, 20 years later, and um, and there's just no interest in the president's, um, yeah. you know, private moral choice choices, and I think I think they're they're relevant, um, and it's not just I, the thing that bothers me too is just like the Across the board, Republican leaders throughout the campaign, people like Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, Mitt Romney, pointed out the corruption of Trump as an individual. And then as soon as he secured the nomination and they needed his endorsement, then they got behind him. And it's just like a really transparent um, desire for power and alignment with power. And Republican leaders have done it and the church has done it too. And and I'm just a little over it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I feel like we could go on for that for a while and have a a whole episode just talking about that. It'd be be interesting to to continue this conversation. But let's transition to guns. Um, um, But before I do that, Benji, you really have to watch The Family on on Netflix. I don't know if you have a Netflix. (laughs) I can send you my Netflix account (laughs) because exactly what you were talking about, the whole marriage of, of... of power yeah. and, and the desire, the transparent desire for power. Um, Another really good resource is Believe Me, The Evangelical Road to Donald Trump. I just finished listening to it by John Fia. Uh, just wow. really uncovers from a historical perspective how we got to where we are. Is, is that a book? In yeah. An audio book? Yeah, I listened to it yeah. on Audible recently. Cool. Cool. Well, Benji, why do you hate guns? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I I uh, I see a gun and I fly into a rage <laughs> because they just make me angry. It's the I don't know the trigger and the steel and the, the trigger button. It's a trigger. Get it. Yeah, it's a real trigger. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a snowflake, moderate That's liberal right, snowflake. Yeah. 
a radical yeah. moderate. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we ought to take this in several different parts here and maybe start a little bit with the Constitution because I've been outspoken about repealing the Second Amendment. And that shocks people, and I'm not really sure why, because there's parts of the Constitution that we all agree shouldn't have been there. Um, And one of the early amendments to the Constitution was the Three-Fifths Compromise, uh, which said that um, black people counted as three-fifths of a person. And they didn't even count for three-fifths of a vote. It was just three-fifths when they figured out how many state representatives a, um, a slave state would get. And so they counted them when collecting influence in Washington, but they didn't count them. All, I mean, the slave owners essentially had the votes. So that was in the Constitution. That was constitutional at one point. Um, you know, the, uh, the amendment to forbid alcohol was also in the Constitution at one point, and that got overturned. Um, and so there's parts of the Constitution that we've amended and updated because um, it was good for the country. Uh, the other thing is, is that there's only three countries in the world who have um, something in their constitution about the right to bear arms. So this isn't some sort of like universally held moral God-given right. Um, and so I just think we ought to like start <laughs> with thinking about this objectively. So can, can I jump in there <laughs> and, and just... I'm so sorry, <laughs> Benji. <laughs> Chris is Chris is bearing his arms literally uh, for, for those who are listening and wonder why we just started laughing. But but I have a question about that though. Yeah. Like, where did I know? Maybe I'm getting off topic, but where did the narrative come from that this is our God-given right? And I mean, man, like this is how dare you? You know, I've heard that yeah. quite a lot from the church. It's our right is to it? have whatever gun I yeah. want to shoot whoever I feel like. I, where does that come from? Doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. Yeah, I don't really is it, go ahead, Asher. Well, I was just gonna dovetail on that and ask, is it is it so much the right to bear arms or the, the right to freedom that people that's God given? I mean, I've heard well, people say it pretty but yeah, ahead. like the people I've heard say that were it I had stuff to do with freedom, but they were pretty hardcore on no, I want to be able to own an AR fifteen so I can shoot bad yeah. guys, basically. Or or when the government tries to come take my guns, oh, I'll be ready to, yeah. to, to blow them away. Why? And they were like, yeah, this is my God-given right. I so, wonder yeah. I wonder if it if it's not a conflation of, like, we talk about our unalienable rights from the Declaration of Independence. And one of those rights that they enshrined in the Constitution was the right to bear arms. And so I wonder... If we as Americans, we see all of that, the amendments and the Constitution as we just call we call them all the unalienable rights that God has given us. And and we just come to believe that the right to bear arms just from, you know, from our because of what's enshrined in our politics or whatever. I don't I don't know. I'm just I'm just theorizing. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, if you maybe climb into the heads of the founding fathers it's not hard to imagine why they chose to put it in the Constitution Um, because the colonies, of course, gained their independence through violent revolution and largely because of Minutemen or militia um, who were able to assemble and provide some resistance. Um, And so, you know, nobody's more patriotic than on 4th of July and the 4th of July, of course, is associated with the violent revolution from Great Britain. 
Um, now, I think that there's different ways of interpreting the or analyzing the revolution. And Canada and Australia got their independence nonviolently. They had to wait a little longer for it, but they basically did it without shooting or firing a weapon. And and I just suggest that maybe that would have been a better path towards our independence. But that's the story that we get told is that the citizens need to be armed in order to overthrow tyranny. And that's how Shapiro interprets the Second Amendment. He says that someday in like in 50 to 100 years, there's going to be a tyrannical government or there may be a tyrannical government that needs to be overthrown. And then the citizens should be allowed to assemble and to resist. Now, there's really only been one major time in U.S. history that citizens have assembled and resist the federal government, or one major time. And that resulted in the bloodiest war in American history, and it was in defense of slavery. And if you want to defend that as a legitimate exercise of the Second Amendment, I am open to you siding with that side of history. <laughs> I know a lot of people but, who do. Um, but I don't think that puts you... Oh, yeah. yeah I live in the yeah, South. Yeah, you live in Tennessee. It, there's, militias, <laughs> there's a militia right down the road that are flying the rebel flag, and they do their shooting every night and... Yeah, they're hardcore, and they would go to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would totally, totally. Yeah. Did you send them to Charlottesville? Were, were they part of the group that was sent to Charlottesville? Oh, I'm sure they would know <laughs> those guys. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty messed up down here. So. Um, I have a question with that. Has there ever been sure. a country founded on on this principle where there was a where there was a horrific government and they rose up and and beat them through violent force as opposed to say just in what we would think of as an, another revolution, kind of like how a more of a peaceful approach. I mean, outside of America, I, I can't think of any, but maybe I'm missing something in my history class. Cause I mean, I'm, the reason I say I mean, that I'm looking America- at Syria, you know, and that's, they tried to do that and nobody thinks that was a good idea, but that was the right to bear arms. And, you know, you displaced half the population. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it just—I don't. I, it's hard to find examples of that happening, and that, and yeah, I don't, like there's there's violent uprisings. The French Revolution may have been something similar to that, but there was so much, you know, wanton bloodshed of of the aristocrats that it just is hard to feel excited about that. And many of the <laughs> Many of the movements, like in South Africa or India, uh, were were achieved by appealing to the conscience of um, of the sort of ruling class, and 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 they saw a much more peaceful transition of power because of that. Um, so the U.S. is kind of exceptional historically in that we had a successful violent revolution, and it resulted in a in a relatively stable democracy. Um, but I don't think that we should necessarily expect that to be the norm in the future. Is there any kind of with that, I guess my question, Reagan, would be, is there any other story of a nation starting up where people had, I mean, America could do it because we were so far removed physically mm-hmm. from Great Britain. But I mean, once the West was kind of explored and developed, you can't get away from your mother power. Really, It's almost like America was the benef- that benefited from the, the chances of history. I mean, so many, so many pieces yeah. of good luck came together to make that even possible, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, frankly, we probably wouldn't want the There's Blessing no wet, yeah. Blessing from God, not luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> Way to go, Titus. We love you. Our, our resident American Republican. Republican American. <laughs> or perhaps yeah i mean i don't want to derail i don't want to derail where you were going there benji but yeah i just had to think because i cannot think of a violent revolution yeah. where the people called their right to bear arms and went and, and actually did it i cannot think of one that actually worked outside of the american revolution and even that one you could argue is just pure luck the fact that great britain was an entire ocean away <laughs> but maybe i'm missing mm-hmm. something yeah mm-hmm. i just I don't yeah. want to get off the main topic, yeah. so we can leave that. But. Well, yeah, I guess I'm just thinking, too, like, South Africa and India were an ocean away, too. So True. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess um, maybe uh, I'm trying to think about, like, Scotland or any of the, like, British Isles. Um, and I don't know much about their history, but they may have uh, achieved some independence and autonomy, even in the proximity of the of, of London. Um, but these things are very relevant because I think that if we actually look at the text of the Constitution and try to understand authorial intent, um, then I think that that should be the starting point when we talk about uh, this, the Second Amendment. Um, and I would just question the, the wisdom of this particular uh, amendment. Um, I think the Bill of Rights is, is overall a, a beautiful document. And the U.S. is... Um, the second oldest constitutional democracy in the world after Great Britain. Um, and I think a large part of it is because of the wisdom of the founders. And so I, I really do like the Const- I love the Constitution. Um, and I think that the Bill of Rights should have just been nine instead of ten. And uh, I don't think that I just don't think that um, the benefits or even like the hypothetical potential benefits, um, have come close to to um, outweighing the cost and the human human toll. <clears throat> anything else on the I guess on the Constitution or anything that you guys would just like to add or correct me on uh, in regards to the constitutional part of of this conversation? I'm trying to think, Christopher. When you were telling me Benji's what Benji was tweeting and stuff, we were discussing it a little bit and. And I was like, why does Benji think that? And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you said something like you you were pretty sure he was coming from such and such. And I can't remember what that was, but I like it totally changed the perspective for me. Um, Do you remember what that was? Uh, shoot. Yeah, I remember the like, question. Because something something along the lines of with it in there. Oh, everybody's so consumed about keeping their Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I was like, as long as it's enshrined in our constitution, we're never going to have a discussion, I think is is kind of how, is is that how you would say kind of some of what, where you're coming from? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think gun ownership is not necessarily an evil thing. And I think that, you know, there's other countries where people own guns. We're just one of like only three countries in the world who has it in our constitution. And the other two are Mexico and Honduras, I believe. And Mexico is, you know, a cesspool of violence. Um, it, because of, largely because we consume their drugs, but also because people have ready access to, to, you know, yeah. weapons that are designed to kill people really efficiently. Um, and so, I, you know, I don't, I just don't find, 
yeah, the 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 constitutional amendment amendment has shaped our culture in a way that I just think has been really harmful. I'm not against gun ownership. Yeah. I, I hunted in Virginia uh, quite a bit and enjoyed it. Um, we shoot skeet sometimes here, and, and we yeah, our family likes guns. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's a common misrepresentation that probably because the left is the only is the only people who who are advocating for gun control and they're they're all over the spectrum like there's some who say guns should be completely outlawed and then there's some who are more moderate saying that we just need more gun control we need more um, common sense gun control is what what they would say and so i think often conservatives pigeonhole the entire advocacy for gun control or gun law reform into you hate guns, you don't want guns, we should right. completely outlaw them. Whereas that that's not necessarily the case. What what I hear you saying is that gun yeah, like you just said, gun ownership is okay, hunting is okay, but it doesn't need to be an unalienable right. For, right. Exactly. For us to have a gun. And, yeah. and especially a high capacity any... gun. Yeah. Right, exactly. Like I'm so glad that I know that if I get um, accused of a crime that I'll have a trial by the, a jury of my peers. And I yeah. think that is, that is, a, that is a yeah. wonderful thing that's preserved some, some sense of justice in our system. That's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing. It should be in the Bill of Rights. I just don't think guns belong there. And I should, <laughs> I should clarify. Uh, I, I really do love Mexico. I've spent five <laughs> weeks there, uh, studying, <laughs> studying Spanish. They have the best food and some of the best people. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I just think that they're, uh, be- because There's of some subs- very fine people from there too. Yeah, right on both sides. <laughs> uh, so uh, I apologize if that was offensive uh, to any of the listeners. Um, I really, if I if I could live anywhere else in the United States, then the United States it would probably be Mexico. But are you you just about said if you could live anywhere else in the United States, it would be Mexico? So are you advocating yeah. <laughs> for like us to annex Mexico or what? What's yeah. going on here, Benji? <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't complain. Uh, but I just think that the prevalence of of weapons, semi-automatic, semi-automatic, and fully automatic weapons, have made the drug war there much more bloody than it needs to be. In fact, there's parts parts of uh, you know history where Juarez was more deadly than like Mosul, um, and which was an open wow. hot war. And so I just, yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Anyway, that that was my point. Not that yeah. Mexico is a bad place. I really yeah. like Mexico. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, how many of you guys do you guys are you guys a fan of the Second Amendment? How many do you guys like it? I've never. Sorry. Reagan likes Reagan. it. No, not I mean, not no? really. No, <laughs> I'm not a fan of I'm not a fan of any laws. So. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, uh, I didn't have really to come <laughs> I've ne- I mean, for me, it's just I never really thought about it. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think I think the the most compelling part about it for me was thinking about the fact that leaving it in there prohibits us from having a conversation about the things yeah. that we really need to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like that's like, Oh, I get that. Yeah. I, I see think, that. yeah, I think, I think that was the biggest thing for me is cause I, I've never been a huge, like I've, I didn't grow up around guns. We never really went hunting and stuff. So it's like my association with guns is primarily. Your older brother tried, <laughs> just never got anything. Um, 
like my association is living in the city where guns are never used for for a good thing. Um, And and I think that's that's a lot of the the understanding um, of guns from, you know, for people living in urban areas is that like there's no association like hunting is this kind of distant concept that we don't really have to deal with. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, And yet I also kind of defended the Second Amendment because I thought abolishing it meant making it illegal. Like, I mean, obviously that's not like that's. You know, now that I think about it, you know, it's kind of like, duh, that doesn't mean it's illegal. But I just kind of, and and, and, and I'm curious what you would say to this, because I think some people would say, well, if you get rid of the Second Amendment, then what's, what's going to keep the left from completely abolishing guns altogether? And, mm-hmm. and I, I can guess what you're going to say, but what would you say well, to them? I don't, actually don't know for sure what gun ownership rates are in like Western Europe, but I know like most of Switzerland, I think owns guns. Yeah. And I don't think that, yeah, I just don't think it um, would necessarily mean the end of gun ownership. Um, I do think we should reduce the number of guns that are floating around in the population. Um, but, but I don't think eliminating it from the, you know, from the constitution would eliminate gun ownership. So, so Benji, what, what would you say if someone would say that, you know, abolishing the second amendment making more gun regulation is just going to make so that the bad guys are the only ones with guns because you know if they don't care yeah about human life if they're willing to shoot up a big crowd surely they wouldn't care to break the law and uh find the weapon they need and and it seems like it'd be somewhat easy to get a weapon on the black market What, what would you say in response to that yeah, well, if somebody is sufficiently resourced and determined, they will be able to get a gun. Um, but the, but I think the key, one of the things to think about here is that reducing the number of guns is going to increase the cost of acquiring a gun. Um, so, for example, uh, in New York, New York has pretty stringent gun laws, and um, to buy a gun, uh, a handgun costs about five hundred dollars. But you can get that same gun in Georgia. For about a hundred dollars, and so that, of course, borders aren't anything to cross in in states, and so right. that means that the guns can travel freely throughout the country. But what it does show is that it costs a lot more to acquire a gun when gun laws are more um, restrictive. And so I would just hope that maybe, you know, the people selling dope on the corner maybe wouldn't have as many guns, or maybe they wouldn't have guns at all. Um, and when they get upset at each other, they throw fists instead of bullets. Or knives. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I just don't think. If somebody wants to kill me, I I prefer that they have a knife than uh, a handgun. I just, I think that I would have a better chance that way. And I don't think anybody would say to the contrary. Um, But like, it, it does seem like a bit of a, just to play the devil's advocate a bit, it, it seems like an insurmountable task to, to dwindle down our gun supply. Especially with like how much it skyrocketed under Obama, because everyone was buying guns because they were afraid they were gonna become illegal. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I don't think that the difficulty of a task necessarily should dissuade us about whether it's good or not. And, right. and I'm not saying that you're saying that. Yeah. Um, but I actually do think that there is like we're kind of on um, a, a tipping point, and and that we're really close to to strong gun reform because a lot of people are crying for relief from gun violence. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why I'm just so discouraged with 
like Liberty, you know, installing a gun range and, and some of the comments that have come out of there is because the world is crying for relief from gun violence. Um, and I just think we just, I don't know, we, we need to be really careful about how we align ourselves with the gun agenda at this time. Um, but I do think, I don't think it's so far away that we could reduce the number of guns uh, in, in the population. I don't think it's so unrealistic. Because of, because of sort of the pain that, that people feel, not only in mass shootings, but on the streets of, yeah. you know, L.A. Yeah. and Chicago and St. Louis yeah. and New York and wherever else, that young men, particularly young black men, are, are being, um, you know, their lives are being ended sooner than yeah. um, they should be yeah. because uh, it's so easy to get a gun. Yeah. I mean, I think about that every time I have the Citizens app, um, which, if people aren't familiar, the Citizens app is, is kind of a, a live news source that... You know, people can can live record what's happening on a street corner, and everyone in that area gets a notification. You know, if mm-hmm. and and you know, it's not uncommon to be like, you know, someone was shot, gun gunfire, gunshots were heard on such and such a corner, and it's really hard when I see this happening regularly in a, in an urban place like L.A. Yeah. Like, yes, I know. I know. Like my goal is to get to them with the gospel before they get yeah. to the gun. But if if they did not have access to that gun, that yeah. that incident wouldn't have happened. Right. There, maybe there would have been a stabbing. But like you said, a, a stabbing. You you know I know people who have made it through stabbings. Yeah. yeah. It, it's uncommon to hear of someone who. I mean, I okay, I, I yeah. I guess it, it depends. You know how the shots were fired but yeah yeah I know a couple that were but yeah yeah it's possible just I mean, that's, shooting too of course but right but it's just less less it's likely un, it's less likely can i can i throw a wrench in the gears here um no. so <laughs> no. please don't so i i had a few wrenches i was gonna lug myself <laughs> here, here goes <laughs> it might be along the same yeah. line Regan. I'm, I'm not sure but i i'm not a fan of any of my fellow human beings having any type of device with which they could end the life of another human being, so handguns or assault rifles. Now, where where I would maybe differ from you, Benji, and, and probably the other guys would as well, although they might come at it from a different angle, is I'm not sure that throwing my weight behind an organization that only has authority because it uses those weapons in order to take those weapons away from other people is really going to be the solution. Mm-hmm. So I, I certainly, from a personal standpoint, would urge all of my fellow humans, whether they're Christians or not, hey, lay down your lay down your weapons that are designed to end human life. You don't need to have them to defend yourself. Um, you know, kind of what Shane Claiborne is doing, going around melting them down into garden tools. I think that's beautiful and, and amazing. Yeah. yeah. However, you know. If if I would look if I look at this situation, there's people with assault rifles killing other people. Oh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go go support an, an, a large organization, the United States government, who is using those exact weapons in order to prohibit other people from having those weapons. I don't really think that that's the way to go about it. So so what would you say in, in response to that? Yeah, that's a good question, and I think that it's a valid one. I think, and I think we need to be reminded. Uh, of how how impotent um, government and and coercion is in general, um, but the Democrats use that argument about abortion as well, and they just say abortion should just be safe, 
legal and rare and that if we outlaw abortion people are just going to find a way to do it anyway and nobody on the right buys that argument um and and so i think that you know if we're honest that if we that laws do change behavior and we can incentivize or de-incentivize behavior through 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 laws even though if, even though it's not maybe the most effective way to bring real change uh, so i i think it's i think most people well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe except for the anarchist in the group uh, would maybe say that laws have some effect on human behavior. I think I think that's kind of kind of where where I would come out at. How how do you, so how then do you do you keep from getting consumed by it because I think you know I, I even think in, in abortion is our next topic so Benji you should stay around for that but um, <laughs> I, I think about that with abortion a little bit is that we've become so consumed with making abortion illegal which I'm all for yet at the same time I think the the more effective means are the grassroots day to day yeah and I agree mm-hmm. um and so, and so, like we've become so consumed to the point that we've sold ourselves out. I, I think we've sold ourselves out to the Republican Party solely because they promise to overturn abortion laws. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can do whatever they want now because they have the religious right. Complete. Like mm-hmm. I, I know people who have, who have like my opposition to Trump. They, they've used abortion as like, well, you don't, you don't care about babies you don't care about abortion because you know he's if 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 he puts in pro-life judges that's all they care about and so he could trump could do whatever he wants because mm-hmm. he promised abortion and so mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. stuff that we talked about with trump earlier um and if sorry i'm getting i'm starting to rant um but but like how how so then on the flip side of that with abortion or guns how do you keep from you know on one hand, promoting it and yet not becoming consumed as a as a Christian church. That, Do does my question make guys, sense? Yeah, yeah. Do one of you other guys want to respond to it? I'm sure you guys have opinions. I'd like to hear Reagan's thoughts as like the the bona fide conservative Anabaptist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still collecting them, actually. <laughs> I mean, in my brain, it's very simple. Killing people is wrong. We need to have a consistent ethic of life. Sure. And that applies universally, yeah. whether it's abortion or owning a gun that's designed to shoot people or supporting the military. It's in my mm-hmm. mind, it's it's all the same thing. And it actually really bothers me when I mean I know plenty of Anabaptists who are, yeah, abortion's evil. Oh, but I man, I own a gun, because you know, if someone comes for my stuff, you know, I want to mm-hmm. be able to I mean, what I actually had some friend, and I know he probably didn't mean this if he mm-hmm. would have stopped and thought it through, but he said that. He's like, why would I ever own anything if I didn't have, you know, the means to protect it? You know, like, I, ah, yeah, it's guns, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> you're non-resistant, bro. You know, and I actually kind of called him out. And then he's like, oh, you know, you know what I mean. You know, he was kind of like, I'm like, yeah, but that's what you just said. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't engage in the nuance of, of something like this because maybe I have an overly simplistic view. Um, though going back to your thing there, Benji, on um, laws and whatever, this is something you actually might not know. You mentioned Mosul um, earlier, but Iraq actually has um, guns are illegal there. They do have gun control laws. 
um, pretty mm. strict, actually. And it was hilarious because we were there in Sinjar. Um, and this is, which we didn't know it at the time, but a month later, a neighboring militia came in and wiped that area out. And our team had to flee for their lives um, in that same area I had just been in. And we were there in, a, in one of the refugees, or an area in a house that ISIS had lived in, which is really weird. Um, and he was just ranting about, you stupid Americans, you don't have gun control because a shooting had just happened. And he's like, man, what's wrong with you guys? Like, <laughs> guns are stupid. And I'm over here going like, wait a minute, dude. Like, you know how many wars have been fought in this village in the last five years? It, it's insane. Seriously, there's like a dozen militias <laughs> fighting in that, you know. And, uh, yeah. and but yeah, he and he really believed that. So I would wow. I would say just having yeah. gun control laws is not going to be enough. Um because in that case what ends up happening is the militias are powerful enough it doesn't matter they just smuggle them smuggle them in through other means and then in order to survive all the civilians have to join a militia and then it escalates and then you get a situation with literally hundreds of militias across the countryside and everybody has to be a part of one because if you remain just a bystander civilian and don't have a weapon you're you're a target um so i don't know how all that plays mm-hmm. in but i would mm-hmm. i wouldn't want to make it like some people will say, well, if we would just have these gun laws, that would just fix everything. I don't I don't know if it really will, because human nature, by default, wants to dominate others. And it may just mean yeah. you end up with an Iraq-type situation. I don't know. It, that's doomsday scenario, I guess, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, in... Yep. Go ahead, Asher. Yeah. Well, I was just at, listening to you talk, and we haven't discuss i mean i'd love to hear what your response is to this but i mean you you uh mentioned you were pro free trade at the beginning and you're you're fairly like we couldn't put you in a box and so i kind of get this sense that you care you care about uh truth and and life like mm-hmm. life and if we're going to discuss guns or abortion we have to actually discuss life mm-hmm. and usually we don't discuss life mm-hmm. we discuss laws or something and the reason like when as long as we're talking politically i mean as far as partisan with with parties and stuff those they need those narratives they need those running points yeah and they're not actually addressing the things that will actually solve yeah abortion or actually solve um like the republicans don't i mean this is this is really strong mm-hmm and I know there are probably people registered as Republicans. There's probably even Republican senators who, who would be actively doing something to address this. But as a party, Republicans don't care about helping the little babies that are born into yeah. uh, single mother homes who, who aren't going to, like, they're barely going to have enough to live on. They'll be thrown in front of a TV for most of, I mean, this, this conversation is so much bigger than yeah. just, oh, abortion's killing babies. And the same is true with guns. Mm-hmm. I don't think it means like for, and, and I'm guessing that's kind of where you're coming from because you're not just, you're just considering voting de- Democrat. You're not actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, like, I mean, you, you're yeah. the pro free trade gives, I mean, that statistically that gives someone a better chance to yeah. making it yeah. in a, in a, in a light, like you, you care about the whole, what I sense is you care about the whole life of a person and, and that, um, yeah, it's not, um, I mean, mean, the market and, and access to markets, uh, has listed, lifted hundreds of millions of people out of poverty, particularly in like Southeast Asia, places like 
Thailand and um, and Singapore and China, um, the market is really really powerful for, to increase uh, human well being. And and it's not just about having money in your pocket that, but having money in your pocket enables you to have access to healthcare, to education, um, and and housing for for you and your family. And that also correlates really strongly with a reduction of violence um, and and violent crime. That if if families have enough then um, they're less likely to turn to antisocial behaviors like violence. Um, and so that's why I'm concerned about the economic well-being of people, um, because I think mm. it affects a whole host of other human-like things that just you know, matter matter so much more than like how what your bank account balance is. Um, but I just think that mm. sometimes, you know, it's the compassionate left um, that's, you know, stifle economic growth, um, and they don't understand like the long-term um, downside to that. Uh, so, so yeah, I do want to include like a larger uh, conversation in here about how does it affect human lives and your neighbor down the street. Um, and, and in response to the thing about Iraq, just briefly, Reagan, um, I think that l- laws have two parts. They have both like the, the, the record of them in the government's capital or whatever, but then also the ability to enforce them. And I think you need both in order for a law to really make a difference. And I think the U.S. is has a pretty strong law enforcement um, infrastructure here compared to a place like Iraq. And so I don't think that they're necessarily parallel. Um, but uh, if I suppose if TJ was president, uh, we might have a, a just abolish the laws and the enforcement of, of them. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and that, that is a good point. They're, they're not fair comparisons at all. Um, but at the same time, it, it's an interesting case study i guess but basically Mm -hmm. the point there is you know human beings unless they're redeemed do really bad things um yeah and honestly but honestly i feel like really like that's why romans 13 is so important because i think that humans tend to be bad and they behave badly and that god ordained governments to restrain them um, and I think that we see that when there's law and order that humans can flourish in a way that they can't when there's chaos and anarchy. Um, I might have opened a can of worms there. I think we maybe should focus on the topic. <laughs> Back to guns. <laughs> maybe can we talk a little bit about just some of the data about guns um, and then move to a little bit. Uh, yeah, move to what, yeah. what Jesus might say. Yeah, I really want to really, really interested in the data. Yeah. Well, it isn't clear. And anybody who tells you that there's an overwhelming case that gun control uh, leads to fewer murders um, and, and says it's an overwhelming case probably is is selectively choosing statistics, um, <clears throat> particularly in regards to murder. Now, if you talk about only gun murders, obviously reducing the amount of guns does reduce the amount of gun murders. Um, but I do think that there are some things that we can look at here um, in interpreting data uh, in regards to gun ownership. Um, now, first of all, I just want to talk briefly about mass shootings. Uh, most of mass shootings are done with a rifle and a rifle that's equipped uh, with a large magazine and semi-automatic. Uh, I know people talk about how hard it is to define what an assault rifle is, but that those three components are often used in mass shootings. And in Dayton, uh, the shooter was only active for about 30 seconds before the police brought him down. And um, 
which sounds like really, really good mm-hmm. law enforcement to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but still nine people were killed and another 20 some were injured uh, in the space of 30 seconds. And frankly, I just don't think that um, that having those guns in the hands of the populace makes yeah. us safer uh, because it makes it so incredibly easy to kill people uh, quickly. And if a, if a kid who is depressed and bullied and um, has no significance in his life whatsoever, but has an AR in his um, closet um, is is able to walk into any mall um, or any Walmart and get some notoriety for himself. Um, with that, I just think we're in a bad bad position. Um, but guns, uh, you know, assault rifles or any kind of rifles don't really make up the majority of gun deaths in the United States. And you guys already know that. Um, most gun deaths are actually suicide, and then um, in the middle is homicide with a handgun. Um, and so let's homicides in general, they're just a little hard to to correlate with gun control data. Australia had a really big gun buyback program um, around the turn of the century because of a mass shooting, um, and murders declined, but they were already declining, and um, we don't see like a huge change in the rate of decline after the gun buyback program, um, although they did see a reduction in suicide. And I want to talk a little bit more about suicide in a moment, but I want to talk a little bit about murders. And the statistic that I do think gives us a little hope for reduction in, in homicides is comparing the United States to other developed countries. Um, and there's a standard for that, but I don't want to get into what makes a country developed or not, but it's countries like Australia, New Zealand, Sweden, Netherlands, Germany, and so forth. Um, and our gun... Our, Homicide rate per 100,000 is around six uh, on an annual basis right now. And all of those other countries are clustered around two. So that means a three times higher homicide rate in our country. Um, Furthermore, we have very similar rates of violent crime. So like uh, home invasions, sexual assault, and robberies are almost the same. So it's not as though Americans are so much worse than those countries. And I would just argue that perhaps it's access to guns that means that so many more people are dying. Now, obviously, our gun murder rate is much, much higher. It's like 27, a factor of like 27 to 4 or something like that, if I'm remembering right. But if you look at just homicide rate, um, it's about three times higher. Um where there isn't a corresponding difference in our crime rates. So I do think uh, that the data show that there would be a reduction in um, in homicide if there was a corresponding reduction of guns, but it's not overwhelmingly clear, and, um, and it deserves more uh, research and more interpretation of the existing data that we have. Uh, I want to get into suicide a little bit, but I'd like to, I guess, offer y'all a chance to respond before we move on from that. So basically, it's like six six, six people per 100,000 in the United mm-hmm. States. And I can show you the graph here. I can actually, I don't know if y'all can see that. Oh, let's see. You might, ha- you might uh, have to turn off the board. All... Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I can sure. actually send yeah. it to you guys mm-hmm. later, and maybe you can, I don't know if you have any other media that you put out. But um, 
basically our murder rate is much, much higher and we don't see um, a corresponding um, difference in our other violent crime. The only thing that makes the United States unique is our gun ownership and that we have the Second Amendment compared to some of those other countries. Uh, now, there's other countries that have higher murder rates, like Iraq or Somalia or Mexico, but those are developing countries, have a lot of poverty, and don't have the law and order that the United States has um, to sort of balance that. So, But if we're comparing to our peers, uh, we're really far behind in this, and I think it's related to our gun ownership. Yeah. I'm tracking. Yeah. Keep yeah. going. Okay. It's fascinating stuff. Um. There are counter-arguments statistically about um, local gun control policies like in D.C. or New York, but there is just no, literally no borders between states. And so I think that those are just sort of irrelevant in, uh, in terms of talking about what the effect of gun ownership has on violence. Um, there also is pretty strong data on suicide. Um in high gun states, so 15 states with the highest gun ownership, um, they have a population of about 40 million, and there are about 14,000 suicides every year in those states. Um, and in low gun states, it's about 8,000, so about 6,000 less. And the entirety of that difference is made up by gun suicide. Um, and the tragic thing about gun suicide is it's usually effective. Um, and when people attempt suicide with some other means, there's a chance of survival. And only 7% of people who attempt suicide once then go on to commit suicide in the future. So if there's a failed attempt to suicide, they have a really good chance of making it the rest of their lives and they get the help that they need. Um, but guns often eliminate that second chance. Um, and so it means that there's a higher suicide rate in households that have guns. Um, and so su it's actually the data, I think, is clearer on suicide, which is surprising to me, actually. Um, the data is clearer on suicide than it is on homicide. Um, but I think we would see um, a, a greater pr preservation of life um, with fewer, fewer guns floating around there. So that's basically all I have on data. There's tons of statistics. I didn't want to like throw too much um, at the pod today, but those are the the, the two that um, I think are most yeah. relevant. Wow. Do you, do you know like is there is there uh, maybe this is a dumb question, but like is there is there countering statistics to that that people would bring like that your your pro gun friends would bring against that. Well, often it's uh, it's in regards to like state by state data. So you like a state like Nevada or Utah or Idaho has really high gun ownership and, and low murder rates. Um, but but there again, I just think that you know, for instance, Chicago is surrounded by in Indiana, Wisconsin, and Missouri, all of which have really lenient gun laws. Um, and so I think I just don't think that those arguments are are relevant. Much in the same way that you might. Well, weed is really easy to get to anyway, but um, you might find uh, marijuana seeping across the border and uh, mm -hmm. in in states where it's legal because it's just there's just no like uh, security yeah. on state yeah. borders. Um, I don't I don't know what else you would compare it to. I guess maybe uh, if you pulled in developing countries like well like Brazil or 
or Mexico where murder rates are higher, uh, that might have stricter laws on the books. Um, you might use that as an argument, but there again, I think there's just like a, a lack of, of law and order and ability to enforce those laws. Not, I don't think it's the problem is with the laws themselves. So go ahead. So in, de- in developed countries where guns are less accessible, is there just as high murder rate, like with knives and, and that sort of thing? Maybe you already addressed this. No, the statistic that I used was actually just homicide rate in general. So okay. um, so it wasn't focusing only on gun murders. Um, okay. if, you o- if you isolate gun murders, of course, the U.S. is way higher. Yeah. But even if it's just homicides, it's like three to one is the ratio gotcha. of the murder rate in the United States to those in other developing countries. Um, and, and conservatives will tell you that, oh, well, yeah, somebody will just use right. a knife or a club or whatever. Um, but it just, what, what response have you got from conservatives when you give them these statistics? Well, they talk about Australia and, and frankly, Australia is, uh, you know, there wasn't much of a murder rate there to begin with. And we didn't see a large, um, a large decrease in the murder rate there as a result of their, a really expansive, um, aggressive uh, buyback program. Um, but like I said, there wasn't much of a, a murder problem there to begin with. And I would be more optimistic uh, with the U.S. because we have so far to go. Um, but yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't a, a very strongly statistical significant impact on murder in Australia as a result of their, their sweeping gun reform. So that might be what they would bring in. I'm happy to move on to the sort of the, the philosophical part yeah. of this, unless somebody has some, some like counter arguments or just any, any questions that you have for me. I know I can talk fast and, and use big words, but it doesn't mean that I'm right necessarily. <laughs> no, I think, I think, I think that all, it all makes sense. It's the type of thing that I kind of want to, I kind of want to see it on paper and kind of process it a little bit, but sure. Yeah. I can yeah. send you some of the, some of the resources. Yeah, for sure. Send us the links. We can put those in the show notes for other people to follow up. Cool. Does anybody else have any thoughts? Okay. So I, I guess this is the part where I really want to depend on you guys a lot. I've thought about it a little bit, but um, I guess in light of, I guess in light of our context and in light of, um, of gun violence, both on the streets and mass shootings, um, what, what, what should the church's position be on this? And should it be sort of like, well, that's not our role. Uh, it has to do with laws and we don't get into making of laws. Um, we just need to love people, um, you know, life on life. Or is there a prophetic thing that we need to be saying um, either to people about guns in general or, or even to our leaders? Um, what might Jesus say if he was alive today about guns? I guess maybe I'd be interested in hearing from TJ first, and then maybe we can uh, move around mm-hmm. to any of the rest of you guys. I'm hosting the show now, just so you guys know. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. <laughs> People used to call me TJ in case you guys are wondering why. Oh, my TJ. bad. Yeah. Titus. Excuse me. <laughs> Titus. Yeah. Wilbur. That just, um, just adds nuance to our personalities. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So... I guess I already kind of gave my response to that. I don't think that putting our weight behind an organization 
that uses coercion. You're talking about the government, co- right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that putting our 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 hope in in that to to solve the problem of violent coercion is going to be effective. So if you think about gun violence, some of it is just straight up terror, obviously, but a lot of it is violent coercion. You know, I I want your belongings like if it's a if it's gang violence you know i want your stuff i'm going to shoot you if you don't give it to me um and essentially the government is using violent coercion also now hopefully in in a a more moral way the government generally is enforcing morality with violent coercion Mm -hmm. but i I don't think that that is going to solve the problem and that that ties into my views in nonviolence and uh, Jesus establishing a, a kingdom that's a very real nation that is a rival nation to all physical nations. And so we'd, we'd have to go through a whole biblical case for for sort of both of those two theological positions and how they dovetail to get me to where I am. But and I think we've talked about that on previous episodes. But I, I would say, you know, a Christian response would be, first of all, to prophetically speak out against the fact that, that followers of Jesus in this nation are the most gun-supporting people in, in our nation, and, and to say this is wrong, it's a blot on the name of Christianity, and and to to reject that notion, mm-hmm. um, maybe to encourage our, our fellow fellow citizens, fellow Americans, to to not feel the need to defend themselves with or to have these weapons in order to defend themselves. Um, and other than that, like I I think it would be okay to prophetically call out to the government and say stop encouraging people to arm themselves like i mean the the right wing part of the government literally does encourage people to arm themselves with these weapons so so stop doing that now (laughs) i wouldn't encourage them to to make a law against having these weapons because laws are always enforced with violent coercion so i wouldn't go that far which i think that's where you and i would would disagree probably yeah see the i I would check where i would challenge you is to say that if if you do believe in non-violence um Essentially, putting into effect legislation that, that outlaws certain types of guns, you're you're kind of putting the the weight of your vote behind, a, behind violent coercion in that sense, right? Mm-hmm. Or I I see how you, you you would say it's a continuum of 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 involvement, and you would stop at a certain point. Um, but I, I don't really see how we could stop on that continuum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate the challenge, and I think that I just I guess. I would maybe start with going to that I don't I don't put a police person policeman with a gun uh threatening violence on the same level as um a a teenager walking into a school and the same like moral footing. I think that the 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 policeman occupies a higher moral standing and so I wouldn't necessarily yeah, I agree. It, it, you know, yeah. equate the two. Um and I just think I think our laws, law enforcement is flawed, um, and it disproportionately affects some people. Um, but I think it's generally a pretty good system, um, and so maybe I'm too optimistic about it. But um, I, I think that, and I think it falls under God's mandate uh, for government. The use of some force, I think it does. Oh. Yeah, uh, Reagan Asher, you guys have. What do you what do you think? I guess maybe the other thing you've already talked about this on a previous pod, but um, uh, Falwell said at a chapel he, he showed his concealed carry and he said if a Muslim came in here, then he would teach him a lesson. Um, and 
Uh, and like I said, they recently, or in the last couple of years, uh, installed a gun range to sort of double down on their pro-gun stance. And I guess, uh, maybe, how would you respond to, so to that stance? an equivalent would be Jesus saying, man, when them Samaritan terrorists come, Peter, whip out your sword and take their head off. And Jesus never said anything remotely like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Um if you look at who Jesus surrounded himself yeah. with, it is so completely different from what Jerry Falwell was saying that I, I, yeah, it's, it's appalling to me, honestly. I mean, it's just, it's so, <laughs> it's, it's, it would be hilarious if it wasn't so serious. But, but if you, if you know what I mean, like looking at that, yeah. it was almost like, seriously, you said that? That's stupid. But w- whoa, wait, he's serious. Like, oh my, that's horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But remember, Reagan, Falwell's a businessman. He's not, not a minister. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, actually, I'm being, I'm being very sarcastic. Did, did, you, did you see his follow-up tweets to that, where he was defending himself? Uh, he, no, he, I don't uh, think so. People went after him after he said that, and... I, th- I think is that the right context? No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. Is it? Is it's when he was, was talking really about went after when he went after Platt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. He uh, he excused his words That's against right. Platt, David Platt, because he's a businessman. He's not a minister, and so he's Came never. Off the hook. For some reason, yeah. that excused him. If there would be, if there'd be a way to collectively, as an interna- interdenominational body of Christ, <laughs> excommunicate follow-up from Christianity, I would be all for that. Like just just a, an open letter. For- <laughs> That's fair, fair well, that's strong words. I, I, I have no qualms using those strong words. Fall well, for Jerry. Fall well, Jr. I mean, yeah. it, it is so. No, I, 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 I totally. Kind of, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I just think he's a caricature and maybe an exaggerated one yes. of. But it, but it also is a no, sober. I, I would argue yeah, that he's yeah, actually sure. not a very exaggerated character compared to the type of Christianity I'm used to seeing down here in the South. He's there. In fact, there would be plenty okay. around here that are way more extreme than him um, about shooting, you know, yeah. shooting Muslims. Honestly, like I would legitimately That's be concerned to yeah. be a Muslim in this area. Yeah. They tried to build a mosque down the road, and all the churches came and blew yeah. it up and burned wow. down and sabotaged. Like it was bad. Um, yeah, they they no. like sprayed graffiti all the bulldozers because like, they never finished building it because it was Shoot. all the Baptists were just yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm totally like they like they physically they <laughs> yeah, physically oh, yeah. destroyed they, they destroyed the pro- I mean, they never got more than basically they about broke ground and started laying the yeah, and mm. it just and that was it was it was yeah. obviously like it was what, Christians. And it weren't on the street, but yeah. I mean, I would in my yeah, like so I would have happen. I have no problem believing that that happened though because that's such a normal attitude down here. Um, you know, so I'm pretty used to it. <laughs> Well, yeah, and that I was getting, yeah, I agree with you, Reagan. Actually, I think that, and I was getting to this, but I think Falwell is a symptom of of, of a disease that runs much deeper mm-hmm. because of the alignment, the close alignment of the the mm-hmm. evangelical church with the Republican yeah. Party, mm-hmm. uh, and the proximity to power. Which this is where probably uh, those of you who uh, like have a more traditional view of Anabaptist traditional view of politics would. Uh, caution me, but the uh, the close alignment with power, I think, has has corrupted the church in this case, mm. which I get. Yeah, yeah. I guess, like, I for me personally, I I think, like, listening to you talk, it makes a lot of sense. And and again, kind of to me, the compelling part is 
to oh, like get this uh, bowl out of the arena so that we can have the proper conversation. Um, but like, I guess I come back to, I, you know, kind of, I forget if it was Titus that talked about that too. Like, um, yeah, what is most effective and what is like when, when it comes, when we see what Jesus did, like, I guess my thing would be if it's one thing to be a part or be in, uh, uh, supportive of repealing the second amendment and, and because of the statistical data or even just the, the positive conversations that could come from that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, like, I think that would be kind of the side gig, the side yeah. thing that you kind of add to, um, because like violence that happens here in America or in our last episode, we talked about terrorism. Like it, it all happens for, um, because people are feeling like even, even gang related violence is retaliation. Like mm-hmm. it's protecting the brotherhood. It's, it's, um, and so like there are some very real felt needs that people have in, in feeling community in feeling like they're, they have a chance, like somebody's going to listen to their voice. Somebody's going to, uh, stick up for their tribe and help them thrive in life, whatever that might look like. And I think the church has a long way to go in truly caring about those parts. Mm-hmm. Like regardless of, like if you're, if you're pro guns because you think that helps you defend yourself, then what are you going to do to actively care for people yeah. who are using these weapons? And the reason they're doing it is because they, they're at the bottom of the, of the pit or whatever. If you're, if you're pro repealing the second amendment and gun control, are we also doing the things that, that are going to truly, um, meet their soul needs, even just, uh, uh, social needs and um, economic needs. Um, yeah. Well, why yeah. would we do that if we could instead uh, vote and be angry online <laughs> instead? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be much more effective? Yeah. Uh, it's it's easier. catching on to, to how we roll yeah. with sarcasm around here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I guess, I don't know if you guys have more to say about that, but like, it, it, it really just comes back to what we talked about in the last episode and what we talked about touched on somewhat in the other episodes as well is that what it comes down to is that we believe in taking jesus seriously when he when he called us to to love our enemies and to lay down our lives and to do the hard work of like you know if 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 um come on come on titus you always do this to me (laughs) (laughs) um i don't even know how joe rogan i think he he just takes a break right right in the middle of the podcast so the podcast just keeps going um but yeah no what what i was what i was saying is that um i don't remember what i was saying oh just yeah just like at at the end of the day like like we're saying we're not saying that gun control or gun reform maybe is a preferred term or something i don't know we're not we're not saying that that's all the answer we're saying that it's it's one mm-hmm. step 
in in reducing yeah. the violence and reducing the harm, but that the full step is to bring the gospel, to bring the radical nature of Jesus to our culture. Yeah. And and that's mm-hmm. that's hard. That's harder. Like you said, that's harder than getting online and just spewing opinions. It's harder than sitting even sitting on a podcast and talking about it. It's harder than yeah. voting. It's harder than even running for office. Um and you know yeah. To, to walk across the street it, and yeah. love your neighbor. Yeah. What were you going to say, Ben? It is amazing how much, how lazy millennials are politically, <laughs> too. It, just even comparing, <laughs> comparing online interaction to yeah. voting, like they are so <laughs> incredibly lazy. In fact, millennials will actually go out and protest in, in, and not vote. Um, there was a, a study done recently in Portland and they took a Facebook page of everybody who showed up for a particular protest and compared it to voting registration. And like 90% of those hadn't even registered to vote. Um, but virtue signaling is yeah, so much more yeah. fun than actually yeah. doing something. <laughs> what, like, this is a sincere question. Like, I get, I get your point there. But what, is it, is there a tie at all to a kind of a hopeless feeling like voting doesn't do anything? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And, and if you virtue signal, then your friends think you're good. Right. And vo- voting yeah. is anonymous, and it doesn't give you any social yeah. clout. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I can see why it would be a lot more instantly satisfying. And and certainly, you know, getting involved with your neighbors um, and, and getting to know them and, and helping them in the way that they need isn't um, a quick path to, um, to fame and popularity. Mm. Um, and obviously... The way that the algorithms work for social networks is it amplifies the controversial and the people oh, yeah. who yeah. who say things that are outrageous, um, like repeal the Second Amendment and things like that. <laughs> Just do it for so the likes. That's why you did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Appreciate y'all yeah. having me on. This is really really yeah. fun. Oh. Yeah, it's been good Where, having you on. An interesting discussion. We're approaching a dollar forty. Um, yeah, this is this is really fascinating. It's definitely a lot to think about. I feel I feel kind of like the last episode. Like we could we could go on and talk about this for a while yet. Um, I'm really excited to get this to get this out to the to the public and to see what they say. Um, yeah, I, do you guys have any any closing thoughts? Um, before we wrap up the show. Yeah, thanks, Benji, for coming on. I hope I, I didn't push back too much. I, I actually <laughs> agree with you a lot. I think, you know, researching these statistics and um, doing that work for us so we don't have to <laughs> has been very helpful. Uh, and um, I, I think this is going to make everyone think. So thanks for coming on. Maybe I can have you on my other podcast to have a, a bona fide debate with a conservative sometime. Yeah. yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> hey, that'd be really fun. I, yeah. I almost, I almost yeah. did that here. Um, and then I decided not to step on Titus's, uh, Titus's brand, <laughs> but it, it would, it would be interesting. Like I, I thought about that is like, as you were talking, it would be interesting to hear like the counter arguments. Um, if there are counter yeah. arguments in, in real time, time. but yeah. Yeah. go ahead. What? Yeah, no, I was just gonna say one thing I enjoyed about having Benji on is it, it like that was probably the, a more comprehensive, thoughtful, yeah. um, 
argument for repealing the Second Amendment or for gun control that I've heard. Now, most of what I've heard is over, over social media, so nobody's really being too thoughtful. But, um, yeah, I appreciated the, the work and yeah. statistical backup you put into it. Yeah, well, Twitter, I, I love Twitter. I spend way too much time on Twitter, um, but it is limited to 280 characters, and, and it just, like... Yeah. Yeah, and it just amplifies the punchy, yeah. you know, uh, comebacks yeah. and owning people or whatever, which isn't really conducive to, to thoughtful dialogue. Mm. So Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I really, really appreciate what you guys are doing here. I said that the, this at the beginning, but I uh, really think that it's important to think through these things uh, honestly, and I, I really sense that here. Um, and I guess just to summarize, like I, I do feel like politics is one of – the less effective ways to bring change. Um, but I think that it's not completely powerless. Um, so that's sort of philosophically. And then secondly, I think the second amendment was sort of a misguided, um, amendment that didn't really understand history. And we've seen even since then in subsequent history that it doesn't, hasn't really made us safer from tyranny. And that thirdly, um, Sorry, secondly, then thirdly. Secondly, the statistics do seem to point to um, a reduction of loss of life or greater life um, with the reduction of guns. And thirdly, uh, we just have a hard time fitting Jesus into a gun-owning box. And I think that if we look at it philosophically or from a Christian perspective, um, that it's hard to justify a really strong pro-gun um, stance uh, as a follower of Jesus. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Well, thank you, Benji, for coming on. Thank you for the for the hard work that you put into preparing for it. That was really well stated and articulate. And like I said at the beginning, um, if somebody feels like they can provide a a counter to that um, in in a in a coherent um, articulate way and is willing to come on and and disagree and be disagreed with, I'm hey, bro. Can I? Can I ask something? You, you keep saying in a coherent and articulate way. What? Why do you say that? What do you mean? Um, as if we, as if we are coherent. And it's true. It's true. When the, I mean, Benji, Benji was just really coherent, and I don't think it would do an articulate, and I don't think it would do the other side justice to just have someone come on and rant about it. Um, hmm. And. And I don't feel like I, you know, I don't know if any of us are quite enough in that camp to be able to to present that that devil's advocate side um, quite as well. And I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to step on toes, but um, I, I've already done that a bunch already. I just, I just, I yeah. Well, at least you didn't say Mexico is a cesspool <laughs> of violence. <laughs> no yeah I don't, I don't know Ash did I, I did not answer your question <laughs> well no I mean I, mean, I just I just asked that because I was kind of amused you keep saying that I think I kind of know where you're coming from like a lot of people will emotionally respond yeah. to this yeah and that doesn't like Benji yeah. has been yeah. very articulate even even art, more articulate than yeah. us unquestionably <laughs> in our rambling conversation um, as far as just having yeah. you can tell he did some research and he had a well, yeah. uh, Reagan's last episode had that too. Like he had a flow yeah. of thought to present yeah. some arguments or some counter. And I think that's yeah. what you're getting at with articulate is 
So, so it's not just the yeah. emotional response, but something we've we've thought through. And, and I think you know the reason I said willing to disagree and be disagreed with is because um, you know it would be really easy to take to take what Benji said and say you know you hear a bunch of leftist thinking or liberal thinking um, in in his desire for gun reform when it's clear that he's not just buying into oh you know the democrats sound cool and so i'm going to go be a democrat like that's not what he's doing he's he's trying to follow jesus he's trying to um to look at the data look at at his beliefs and his convictions and he's trying to follow through with it and that's clear even even though i think all of us you know there may be nuance between everything we're saying um and so we could disagree with him but, but he didn't come on here um expecting like expecting us to completely agree with him um and we didn't pigeonhole him into a leftist agenda because that's not where he is you can't you can't do that and if you follow me on facebook at all you'll know exactly where this is coming from because i really react to that because it's been done to me some and i'm not near as articulate as benji is and so and so i i just step right into it every single time but but that's why that's that's I guess that's just why I said um, anyways we need to wrap up here thank you guys so much for listening along with us thank you Benji for coming on thank you all the others for giving your input um, and we will see you next week as when we talk about abortion see you guys See my brother, I see my